Hallelujah. You may be seated. It is great to be with you all today in the house of the Lord and to feel his presence. Man, if he wasn't here, we'd be wasting our time. But he's here. How many of you feel him this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That first song we sang said, let our praise be your welcome. God inhabits the praises of his people. When we lift him up, man, he's like, what's going on down there? I, I, I feel people. I feel your praises rising. And he just comes kind of swoop right on in. He wants to be among his people. I think that's profound. I really do think it's mind-boggling. Ever since the beginning, and this is not my sermon this morning, but ever since the beginning, God has made a way to be amongst his people. You know, in, the, in Genesis, when he wanted to, you know, come down in the cool of the day and just hang out with them. Right? How cool is that? You know, and he knew something was wrong when they were hiding from him. Don't hide from Jesus. Even when you blow it, don't hide from him. Right? He's, a, he's a God of reconciliation. He's the God that wants to help us. So even when your life is jacked up, right, don't hide from him. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. That was free. Maybe somebody needed that this morning. I didn't even plan on going there, but I'm, I'm just thinking about what a beautiful God that we serve. Merciful and compassionate. What a bad rap he gets so often. Right? He's not a bad guy. He's not a God that's out to squash us. Trust me, I live all my young adult life thinking God was out to squash me. What a relief it was when I found that he was out to save me. Right? He, he was on my heels for sure, but it wasn't for the reason that I thought. It was because he loved me and he wanted to extend this grace. So if you're running this morning, if you're guilty, if you got something going on, you think, man, God is just, you know, maybe he's through with me. Maybe he's going to meet me with anger or, um, you know, maybe he's going to dismiss me. That's not the God we serve. Right? He's the God. As long as you have breath in your lungs, he's extending grace to you. Come on in. Come on, let me help you. Bring your raggedy self. Remember that sermon I wrote out? Something about raggedy. I can't remember. Bring, bring your raggedy self to Jesus. He wants to fix us all up. He's, a, he's an awesome God. Well, I have a word for you this morning that I hope will be a word of encouragement. And I know we've had some pretty heavy word. Maybe that's how you see it lately. But I have a word of encouragement this morning. And Brother Moss spoke to you this morning about, you know, all hands on deck, sort of a different way he put that. I can't, I'm not even about to try to approach the, the Hebrew. Y'all know I can barely speak English, right? <laughs> I'm still working on that. At, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to approach the Hebrew. But God talked about that. Uh, I'm sorry, Brother Moss talked about that. You know, everyone needed, everyone included, all making disciples of all. I, I want to talk to you this morning about the privilege that we have uh, in Jesus, and in particular, right here at Newark. So I know that um, there are promises, there are things that go across the board for all Christians, for all believers. But today I'm talking to, I'm talking to this local assembly right here. Whether you're in this house or whether you're listening online, I'm talking to this local assembly. And I hope that this will be a word of encouragement. We've been through a lot. And when I say a lot, yes, recently— Recently, as in very recent, recently, as in not too long ago, but over these, what, almost 40 years that Newark has been here, this church has been through a lot. And, uh, you know, more recently, we've, we've been through the change of leadership from, from Elder Beersley to, to, to Younger Beersley. I said more recently, I didn't, that, that didn't happen just yesterday, but that was a shift. Uh, we shifted from, you know, Younger Beersley to, to uh, bringing in other preachers and teachers and 
who, who regularly contribute to the edification of the body, that's a shift. Right? I remember coming here in 94, and um, you heard generally two people out of this pulpit, James Beardsley and Stephen Beardsley. And intermittently, you may have a missionary come, or you may have a guest speaker intermittently, but pr primarily, that was it. So that's a shift for Newark, to have you know, more people involved in the preaching and teaching of this congregation. And our, at our highest point, we've had as many as nine uh, on this pastoral team. And I don't know if you can appreciate what a blessing that is. You know, sometimes when things happen in your house, you don't, you don't really see it. You know, we're so close to it, we don't really get it. Um, but I heard one minister say, a minister right here from the New Jersey, Delaware district, I, heard, oh, I think I overheard him talking, and, and he said, man, Newark has an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, you remember that? Maybe might have been talking to you, Brother Moss. Has an embarrassment. He meant that as a compliment. Man, you guys got stuff going on. And that, again, was meant to be a compliment. And so other things that we've, we've uh, shifted on, right? Our method of discipleship has become more strategic. Notice I said more strategic. And, you know, we implemented things like small groups. Small groups get all up and close in our business, don't they? Right? It was even one thing to be in the same room, but there's something about that screen on Zoom that's even more up close in, in, in your business. And, you know, we, we have endeavored to follow the scriptures and, and build true community. How I many of you know you can come and go in church and not really know people? Right? You can come and go, and I can know your name, and I might know your kids, and, but, I, I, but I, I can do that for years and not really know you. But in small groups, for example, man, we get all, you know, you know those discussion questions just get where we live. Right? And, and, and some of you are more talkative than others, and some of you are not, but, but they're intended to build true community. Right? Let's bring down our walls. Let's get to know each other. Let's, let's live life together. Let, let's, let's live authentically, not these shallow relationships you know, where we just, again, kind of passing you know, each other, just ships in the night kind of thing. No, we want to know each other. That's what God intended, for us to really know each other. The, 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 the whole idea of the body, ministering to the body, and the members, caring for the members, right? I'm, talking, I'm just kind of walking down memory lane a little bit here from some of the stuff that we had. And, you know, we used to, how many of you, when anything went wrong, you called Brother Beersley? I know I did. I'm going back, right? Had him on speed dial calling Brother Beersley, right? And, and Papa was faithful. He would come, right? It's just the truth. And then, you know, when he kind of backed off a little bit, we called Steve. And we run him ragged, Right? Right? And, 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 and so, and now we're pushing it out because we're, we're realizing that some things just ain't realistic, right? That you just can't do people that way, you know, and, and it's not even realistic if we want to be effective, if we want to be, uh, we want to operate at our maximum uh, capacity and that God has a work for all of us to do. So we're realizing some things, you know, things are kind of unfolding here. And that's the thing about God's word, right? His word is so um, layered, there's layers to his word. You can read that Bible. Sister Karen, how many times have you read your Bible through? She lost track. Yeah, she's probably read it through over 10 times. Like she reads that Bible. You can read your Bible through over and over again and find something new every time. You know, and you're like, man, I, didn't, I never saw that. Anybody experienced that when you read? you like, I never saw that. It just kind of jumped. That's how rich God's word is. And so as we are endeavoring to draw closer to him and as we're digging in that word more and more and as he's being so gracious, and ministering to us and guiding us and leading us, we're finding out more things. That thing that was there that we kind of went over, he's like, oh, that means something. Right? Oh, you know, he really does mean that the body should be caring for the body. 
You know, there's things that we say uh, in, in our Christian community, but we don't really get. You know, but God, again, is kind of peeling back the layers and saying, no, I really did mean for the body to care for the body. And so all of us have been sprung into action. And yes, I mean, this collective body of Christ and to do the work of the ministry, which is scriptural. Right? We just went through that. Novel. It is actually scriptural. And so now we're endeavoring to shift from this traditional single pastor model to a pastoral team model, which too, if you study, is more biblical. And that's a shift for us. And all this shifting has us looking a bit like an odd duck. Anybody ever think like that? Say, man. I got the odd house. Anybody in your community, you the odd house, right? You know, you the odd family maybe in your community. But in Newark, in the church community, we're like, the, we're, we're, the, we're the odd house. You know, who are them kids? Those kids, oh, you know, and, and, and we're the odd, let's just own it. Right? We're the, we're the odd duck, if you will. And um, it didn't just start, though. If you look back at our beginning, that's why I took you way back down memory lane a little bit. I'm not gonna, I can't spend a whole lot of time in, in the past, but if you, if you go way back, uh, odd is our heritage. <laughs> Newark has always been an odd duck. And I'm looking at people right here. I'm looking around this room. There's some of you who have been there far before me, Sister Diane, Sister Becky. right? You guys were here long before I was here. Sister Linda, I'm just, no, don't get mad if I miss you here, but I'm going, Rick. Right, you know, I'm a baby compared to some of these, but y'all, y'all been here, Sister, Sister Cherry. I'm going around, Antonio. You guys, you you know what I'm talking about, right? We've always been an odd duck. We always did the the thing maybe nobody else would do, even within the church community. You guys know that. So some of you are saying, yeah, 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 Sister, we know that. I just want to want to bring that to your remembrance uh, today, in case you had forgotten that. We we've always the prayer that Brother Busy prayed. You know, send us, send us everybody nobody else wants. Who does that? Who wants a house full of odd ducks, right? <laughs> right? I'm just talking about where we came from, the heritage that we have, and, and that, that has been passed down to us. So if this, if this is um, news to you, yeah, you come from a lineage, if you will. This is a heritage that's been passed down, this, this oddness, and not just odd for the sake of odd, because we want to follow more closely what thus saith the Lord. And I'm not speaking for anybody else this morning. Remember, I'm talking to this local assembly. Duke wants to follow more closely what thus saith the Lord. And so this oddity, I would say, didn't just happen. I think it was God's intention for us. I think it was by design. I firmly believe that God intended this for Newark. And you and I and others that have come over the years, we have been richly blessed by what God has created here. Yeah. I don't know how much other church experience you guys have, some of you do, but I know from what I've heard from some of you, I know from you know, my minor experience elsewhere that, that this is a unique place. We have been blessed here. Right? We, we might not have it all together, we might not have it all buttoned up and be as slick and that kind of thing as some of these other churches here, but, but Newark, you, know, you, you get love here. You get authenticity here. Sometimes it's too much. Sometimes it's so authentic, y'all can't handle it. You're like, whoa. You know, I remember when Steve's preaching, I used to sit in the back when we had those, and I, I feel him about to go down this lane. I go, I go, Steve, don't. You know, and, you know he never listens. He's going to go where you say don't go. Because the, the point is to be authentic. 
And so you get authenticity here, if nothing else. We're not a church of pretenses and, and, and you know, all the hullabaloo and that kind of thing. You, you get realness here, if nothing else. And, and I know that in this world that we live in, realness is rare. It's rare. And so you and I have been blessed by what, is crea- uh, what God has created here. And I personally, I love who we are. I really do love who we are. We're a safe place. Yeah. You can be jacked up and you're going to get respected here. It's the truth. And I say jacked up, that means whether it's how you see yourself or whether you're going to be respected here. This is a safe place. Right? This is a place of mutual submission. You know, I'm not better than you. I may be holding this mic and I may be preaching this pulpit this morning, but I'm not better than you. There's a, this is a place of mutual submission. This is a place where... Uh, the word of God is regarded above all things and anything, anybody, anything. The word of God is, is highly exalted in this place. And so that's a blessing because then you're not subject to my whims and my ideas and the way I think, but we're all subject to the word of God. It reigns supreme in this house. I count it an honor and a privilege to have received this ministry, to have received of this ministry, and to be a part of sharing this great ministry. I count it an honor. And can I remind you today that we have received much from the Lord. This local assembly has received much from the Lord. Go back to that minister's comments. We have an embarrassment of riches. You'd be surprised how much word you know there may be some pastors, some teachers elsewhere. You'd be surprised. Well, I'll leave that alone. But we've received much. And the Bible tells us that when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. I mean, you know that? That's in Luke. Luke, go look it up. That's not my, my topic scripture tonight, but Luke 11, uh, 48 tells you that, that to whom much has been given, the KJV puts it, much is required. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. I'm here to encourage you this morning of two things, that it's an honor What's been bestowed upon us, this, 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 this that we're doing, right? And I say this, all that kind of stuff I talked about before, these, these shifts that we're making that make us look odd, right? Most people would maybe, maybe get this mandate and be like, I'm not doing that, right? You know, when, when, when God gives direction, uh, perhaps others would look around and see what everybody else is doing. You ever had that? You ever had that happen to you? God maybe told you to do something or gave you some direction, and you kind of, you're not sure what to think about it, so you kind of gauge by what everybody else is doing. You start looking around and saying, man, am I, you know, is this in line with what everybody else is doing? But no, we look to the Word of God to say, is it in line with what the Scripture's doing? And so this is a great honor. All these things that God is doing that make us odd, that make us who we are, that make us, maybe I'll use a more kind word, that make us unique, right? It's an honor that's been bestowed upon us. I firmly believe that, that God knows everybody wouldn't do such a bold thing. Bold things happening here. Are these people crazy? I think God likes that when we just step on out on a limb on his word, crazy as it may seem and, 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 and unorthodox and, and, and unique. When we just say, oh, your word says it, I'm going to do it. I think God honors that. I think God is that, 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 that this great honor that's been bestowed upon us, God believes that we'll do it. He said, those people are crazy enough to do what I asked them to do. And also I want to encourage you this morning that every great thing that's been done here at Newark, 
has only ever been done because of Jesus. You should remember that. It was done because of Jesus. Don't ever forget that. The Lord has authored some awesome things here. Now that leads me to my text today. I'm going to put up my scripture today in Hebrews. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which thus so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And here's the word that I want to encourage you with today. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm telling you this morning that the thing that God has begun, that God begun, he's going to finish. That, that, that this chapter is preceded by this whole, this cloud of witnesses that, that uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about. And, and you know, the, the things that they endured and things that they accomplished. It made them look pretty wacky. I'm sure, though, that cloud of witnesses, those people that did all kind of things and they endured all kind of things for the glory of the name of their Lord. They did that. I'm sure in that day, they looked pretty wacky. You ever seen somebody, or maybe you are, uh, well, I'll use myself in experience. When, you know, when I came to Christ, you know, I started making what the, even the Christian community would call some radical changes. And my family thought I had flown the coop. She's crazy. You're going too far. You know, you don't have to do all that. And, you know, those, some of you had your own experience with that, your family and your community. And I'm sure that some of those things, that, that those people that we read about in Hebrews 11, some of those people did, even the, not only the outsiders, but even in the Christian community, they probably caught some slack about that. You don't got to do all that, right? Just, you know, those, some of those people were sown asunder, as the scripture, scripture would say, because they wouldn't conform. Or they wouldn't stop doing what they were doing. I mean, they went, they went to the extreme. And I'm sure in that day they looked wacky. And they had to resist those outside voices, but if you read on, you'll find out what the Lord thought about them. He said the world wasn't worthy. Right? I'm talking about having our perspective right. God was pleased with what they did, the stands they took. The world might have looked at them as, as a bunch of quacks, but God said, no, the world wasn't worthy of them. He was pleased with their unwavering faith. And I'm going to tell you, I know some of you may be bewildered, and you may be saying, is going on here at Newark, right? There's some odd things we're doing, aren't we? Especially odd in the church world, especially odd comparatively, right? I get, we go, what, what is going on at Newark? And what, what is going on with those people? What are we doing here? Well, let me assure you this morning, we are doing what thus saith the Lord. That's what's going on here. We're doing what God says to do. We too are looking to Jesus because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He and he alone. We're looking to Jesus. Yeah, it's the truth. It was only him. It was him that started this. Right? What's happening? What happened here? I'm gonna, let's go back to, ooh, I'm going to get in trouble if I say the year 1978. I think when, when, when Brother Beardsley came in. What, what happened? What was put in his heart was Jesus. Right? We, we, we really do got to be careful sometimes the, the glory we ascribe to man. And I mean, no disrespect. You, I don't know if you know how much I love James and Eleanor Beardsley. I love those folks. I love Stephen and Regina and the family. I love, this is, so, so let's just put that disclaimer to the side. This is no throwing shade at anybody, right? I'm just talking about we got to be careful to ascribe the glory to whom it belongs. Yes, it takes men and women to be faithful. You and I are faithful. 
but it's God who gets the glory. It was God that gives the people passion and a burden and gives them vision and direction. It's God, right? It was him that started this thing. It's him that brought us to this point, and it's him that's going to finish it. Only Jesus. Only he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And I'm telling you, it's an honor to be chosen to be a model for how God wants things. I really do believe that. I really believe that. The more I study this thing, the more I get, it's an honor to be chosen. I, I, I hope you feel honored. I know the task might be daunting, and I know it's new, and we got to do some adjusting, and we got to get our brain around this thing, and, and I, I know that it's a challenge. I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, downplay that, but I hope you understand what an honor it is to worship in a place where God alone is exalted as the head of his church. Right? See, this pastoral team model, it, 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 it busts things up. You know, we just came for general conference, and, you know, we're running to people, and they kind of figure out, oh, you know, what, what's going on there? Because we're used to man running things. And when I say man, I'm not talking male or female. I'm just talking about human. You know, I, I have to make that distinction. Y'all know me, right? I, I have to make that distinction. When I say man today, I'm not talking about male. I'm talking about humans, all right? I'm going to put that out there. And I'm not going to keep correcting myself as I go along here. But we're used to, you know, somebody running things. And even though that person themselves might have integrity and honest heart, again, we get skewed so often. We, again, we make them the head of the church. Some of us can't, you know, can't make a decision without calling the man, you know, or calling the person who's head, that kind of thing. And, 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 and it's okay to have wise counsel. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking about, as I said at the outset, a place where God is exalted, where we are all operating in our rightful places, and none of us are the head. God is the head. A place where there's no big eyes and no little U's and a place where everyone can contribute. A place where there's mutual submission. I, I don't know if you've ever considered the level of authority that man will take into himself in a church. I have seen some things. I have heard some things. Right? We, we're in this flesh, right? And we might be Holy Ghost filled. We might be baptized in Jesus' name. But as Paul said in Romans 7, we always got this flesh to deal with. Right? And, and man likes authority. Man likes to be in charge. You know, I, I, I'm one of those people. So I ain't throwing nobody on the bus. I'm talking about you got to, you know, so, so we, we've seen it happen. Right? Knowingly or unknowingly, they cripple the work that God wants to do through his body. Right? Some intentionally, some not. Just trying to do what we got to do. Yeah. When one person holds all the authority, when one person is the only one preaching and teaching, we're not operating at full capacity. There's gifts in this place, right? There's experiences in this place. There's different backgrounds in this place. We got a lot to give. When you got one person or maybe even two people, you're very limited. We're not operating at full capacity. We're operating with our hand tied behind our back. That is not what God intent intended, and that is not how the early church operated. There were teams at work. You pay attention. Paul was always sending somebody and calling for somebody and moving people around. It was like, you know, and, and you just, again, when you go back to those scriptures and there's things you kind of just go over, you don't really catch what's happening there. And I'm just using Paul for example because he, obviously, in all his letters in the church, did a lot of that, sending back and forth and that kind of thing. And, you, and I wonder, well, who was the pastor of that church? You ever wonder that? I thought that more reasonable. Well, who was? Well, Paul, you know, you can't just send somebody here. Right? Think about that. Just the, the way we operated at churches. But anyway, I'm not going to get off on that. But my point is that the early church didn't operate that way. And the body was more actively in, uh, involved in what was happening, but things changed. 
And we, we shouldn't be surprised, especially here as apostolics, we shouldn't be surprised at how things change over time. I mean, for goodness sake, look at what happened with baptism. Right? I'm talking about some people in here that believe in baptism in Jesus' name. Right? We're, we're an apostolic church. Right? We believe in repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. Right? And then filling the Holy Ghost. Right? Look at what happened with that. You know, the, what started as full immersion in water. Evoking the name of Jesus, right, preceded by, by repentance. What started that way became immersion in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. What happened to the name? Talking about what happens over time when men get their hands involved and when men start trying to understand things or, you know, some, sometimes we, we twist things because we, they got to be the way we see them. And instead of letting the scripture, instead of following the scriptures and, and letting the scripture say what they say. And so for whatever reason, yeah, this, this, this whole full immersion and, and, and calling on the name of Jesus became baptism in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And there's no name in there. How I many of you know that those are titles? Yeah. Jesus don't care nothing. I mean, the, the devil don't care nothing at all about you saying Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But when you call on that name that we sung about, that beautiful name of Jesus, that name where all powers in, when you call on that name, oh, that's a game changer. That's a game changer. And so somewhere along the line, the authority was taken out of baptism. And we just took a bath, right? Some earnest hearted people, they just took a bath. They didn't even know, right? I'm just talking about what can happen over time. And if you're not a study of the word, if you're not in tune with God, you'll miss some big deals. Baptism is important, right? It's how we become a part of his body. That we, that's how our sins are remitted. That is nothing to play with. You, if you need to be baptized this morning, if you want your sins washed away, that, thing, that baptism is always full. You can go down today. So I might be preaching about something different, but let me tell you that we're always, that's why the, the, the bishop, that's why Brother Beers would stay up until, until 2 o'clock in the morning on the Thursdays back when I first started came in. He stayed, he stayed by that phone, right? Because when you come to the revelation of Jesus Christ, when you come to that revelation that you need your sins remitted and washed away, uh, I personally ain't got time for an appointment. <laughs> so there were many. And there's other stories that, but many will come down here one and two o'clock in the morning to go down to that name because it's important. Don't push me off to Easter, right? Don't push me off to some event, right? This is not an uh, outward symbol, as they would say, of my inward faith. This is a necessity. Baptism is necessity, right? You, you, you want to be identified with Christ. You want that name applied. You got to go down and fully immerse it in the name of Jesus Christ. But that got changed, yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I know the church I grew up in. It was Easter morning. You put on your white robe and your little white cap, and everybody standing around this baptism was in the floor, and everybody be singing, wait in the water. You know, it was this kind of thing. <laughs> wait in the water, children. We'd be standing up there, you know, and we couldn't wait to get our turn in that water. Right? And I remember going down in baptism of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We didn't know any better. We're all excited. We think we've been made new. And I do believe that there are honest-hearted people that just don't know. So I'm not criticizing folks. I'm just talking about how things have changed over time. All we did was get wet. No power. No remission. Right? No being added to the kingdom of God. Talk about what happens when man gets a hold of things. Yeah. And then and, and some, that, that, that full immersion even went away. You know, it became sprinkling, a little bit of water on the forehead of babies. I mean, you know, babies can't repent. I'm talking about we shouldn't be shocked about how things change, even in the Christian community. I want you to just hang on to that. I'm using some examples. We shouldn't be shocked because it's happened to something very pivotal. 
very pivotal in our faith. It's happened to that. You know, a baby can't repent. What are we baptizing them for? A man get a hold of it. Yeah. And then eventually baptism became something optional. It's not even necessary. Talk about being contrary to Scripture. It is sad. Absolutely. It became optional. All you got to do is believe. You know, if you want to be baptized, it's okay. But if you don't want to be, it's okay. That's not Bible. Yeah. We have to all go down in that name, that beautiful name of Jesus, and come up new. There's authority and power in his name. So I'm talking about how far we can deviate from God's original plan and how those deviations with enough time and prevalence can become the accepted norm. You just think about your own life, right? You think about your own experience. Over time, you give it enough time, you give it a couple thousand years, and everybody starts doing it this way or some different way, and it just becomes a norm, and you don't even know. We're so far removed from what was, we have no idea that it's not word. And if enough churches get on board with it and they start doing it, and, and some trustworthy people, that's the way they operate, and we, we, do, we do tend to trust in people. Right? I, I, my, 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 my message here today, didn't put my title slide up there. Then I'm going to mess you up and go back to my scripture. Yeah. Jesus. Right? He's the author and the finisher. He's the one we look to. He's the one. He's the only one. You've got to hang on to what he says. Go get, get, that's why we're apostolic, like the apostles. So, Newark, I, I pray that you're encouraged. I know this is maybe an odd message. I pray that you're encouraged. I want you to be thinking. It's another thing churches don't like you to do necessarily is to think. They want you to be all hopped up on emotion and just rah, rah, rah. You know, and I told Brother Moss and some of the, the others a funny story. I'm not even going to tell you guys that because it was so embarrassing. It, it really was embarrassing. Speaking of, you know, rah, 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 not thinking. I remember we visited a church one time, and this, and this preacher preached something that was totally not Bible. It was totally not. Some of you were there. I'm not going to embarrass you either. I'm not gonna, I promise I won't embarrass you. And they were preaching something crazy. I didn't know any better. I was new. And I remember us, with, yes, glory. We, we're just acting a fool. I mean, we're dancing and shouting. We're carrying on and all. And, and oh, my goodness. When we got back to Newark, Brother Busy, boy, he tore us a new one. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are you thinking? Right? Where's that in the word? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, I'm talking about the privilege we have of being, of being uh, of Newark. Right? When we are trained to listen, we're trained to check it by the word. Right? And, and not just go along and, you know, you go some places and you ain't, if you ain't cutting a fool, you ain't Bob. I mean, you, you, you ain't uh, apostolic. Right? You, you, you carnal if you ain't cutting a fool. No, I'm listening. Right? This is my soul. Right? We we're trained. That's a privilege. I don't know if you know how rare that is. Yeah. That you can ask a question. If I preach something up here and you go, what is she talking about? Right? I don't know if you know what a privilege is. You can come, you tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, Sister Lee, I ain't follow what you were saying. What you mean by that? Right? That's how I used to do it. When I first came and Brother Beards would, would teach on those Wednesday nights here. And I didn't follow something. Or I done, and I tapped. And he said, hey, let me, where, where was that? And we opened that Bible out. And he passed out. That's a privilege. You know how many people will get indignant. You come and question the preacher. Yeah. Who do you think you are? 
right? I'm not talking about questioning to be disrespectful, but I'm talking about questioning for understanding. The Bible says, right, get knowledge and get wisdom, but all that getting, get understanding, right? I'm talking about you got a right. That's a privilege here. I promise you, you try somewhere else and you might just get a, you, you might get a nasty look. You might be a who you think you are. You might get a sit down, you, you know, you some uh, underling. I'm talking about the attitudes that, that, that folks can have about, about things. No, this is a privilege what we have going on here today. Here at Newark, should I say. Yeah. I believe that God believes we can do this thing. It's a hard thing, but I believe he said, this, if anybody can do it, these crazy folks can do it. Right? I'm talking about crazy, crazy that these, these folks that really believe me. These folks that are committed to my word. These folks that are committed to uh, doing what thus said. I believe it's a privilege because God's saying, if anybody can do it, Newark can do it. Yeah. I hope you feel honored this morning. You are part of this. You are part of it. Newark can do it. We've always done the hard things. Right? We've always loved the ones that maybe nobody else loved or, or, or you know, stayed true. And, and, and we've always been authentic. I believe God said, no, they can do it. He knows what we've been given because he is the author of it. He's the one who orchestrated. He knows what we've been given. So I'm telling you, it's an honor to be chosen to be a model for what God, of how God wants things. And, and let me tell you what that means. It means that you and I, what we have this, that's going to be required of us. Sometimes we hear requirement. We think, man, do I have to? You ever seen little kids? You, you know, kids, when they're little, they like, they, they like to play in the sink. They want to help you wash dishes. You know, because it looks fun splashing in water with bubbles and all. But as soon as you make it their chore, they're like, oh, man. You know, I should have never throw, showed any enthusiasm about washing those dishes. Right? <laughs> Well, some of you now, it's, it's your chore, if you will, right? <laughs> I'm being that right, right? And so sometimes we look at what's required of us. We look at it as a punishment. But I'm telling you this morning, it's a privilege. Yeah, it's a privilege. And it means that, that here at Newark, your gifts and your callings won't be stifled. Now, some of you, like I said, you got some other experiences else places, other places, right? I'm telling you that here, it means that, you know, no, God said, nope. I want, them, I want them activated. What you got? Because I put it in you. I'm the one that authored it, right? So I'm going to require it of you. I'm going to one that I want you to get involved here, right? It, it means that uh, not only will those gifts and callings not be stifled, but they'll be fostered. This church wants to help grow you, right? This, this church wants you to, uh, to flourish, right? We don't want to hold all the power and say, oh, you know, I'm the only one that can do this, and I'm the only one. You want to feel privileged about that. that that's, a, that's, a, that's a respect right there, yeah. This is, that means that this is a place where your diversity is appreciated and celebrated. I'm talking about what a privilege it is, an honor what God is doing here at Newark. It, it, it means that if you're a woman, I mean, you women here, somebody wave at me. Right? It means that if you're a woman and God has called you to preach or teach or even pastor, you can. Right? Because no man is going to say, and not here. Let me put it that way. No man is going to prevent you from doing what God called you to do. And you better know that's rare. I know that that's an honor. Yeah, I know that that's an honor. I'm talking about what a privilege it is, what we got going on here. It's a beautiful thing. And it's what God intended. I firmly believe that. Yeah, it means if you got gifts in other areas, right, go ahead and operate in them. It means if you're a helper, you can help. God wants all making disciples of all. Not some person in charge dictating to all us little people, you know, telling us when to come and when to go and how to do it, how to be. God said, no, I have given my children gifts and callings. 
I have a place for every person in the body. That's my word. God wants to make us truly disciples of him. He's the one that started this thing. He's the one who gets the glory. And I know that, you know, I mentioned the, the great man who was, great man who started this church, and I do count him a great man. And I know that some of you are saying, oh, man, what's going to happen? You know, if a beardsy's not passing this church, I'm going to step right in it today. Well, you know, man, are we weaker? We're weaker because the beardsy's not going to pass to this church? I, I, I think you're mistaken, right? No man is more powerful than God. That's why I brought you to, to remembrance that it was God who built James Beersy. It was God who built Stephen Beersy. It was God who built Reverend Moss. It was God who built Meg and the Rosh and myself and Debbie. And it was God who built you who put in you. It was God. And if he wants something to happen here, can't no devil in hell stop it. I promise you. Right? We are not weaker if we are, if we are anchored to God. If you were anchored to a man, then you were anchored to the wrong thing in the first place. Right? God said, I'll share my glory with no man. Right? right? If you were anchored to the man, then maybe that was part of that shaking he talked about. This is going to do, right? No, you should have been. It's okay. It's okay to respect. Don't get me wrong. It's okay to learn from. It's okay to, to love. But we need to be anchored to Jesus. He's the only thing that's eternal. And so we are now weaker because God is with us. Yeah. When, when he sees that we yield to him and that we're willing to do this bold thing for him, God is saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to use these folks. I'm about to do something awesome right here at Newark. And I really, really, truly believe that, right? I believe that God's going to do something awesome here at Newark because we believe him. He birthed us. And he will continue to work with us and, and through us. And God's going to continue to do this work. He's the one that's going to make this wacky look, what some might look at as an experiment here, successful. I believe it. Yeah, powers of God, powerful moves of God always look wacky. Just think about your Bible. I know we get, we, we, if you just read your Bible, sometimes I'm thinking, what Bible are we reading? Because God always does wacky stuff. I mean, you just think about it, right? Kind of wacky is normal. Right? We, just, we just, again, we tend, to, we tend to compare ourselves to our you know, kind of current day local Christian community. But if you go back to that word, God always did wacky stuff. And we have a myriad of Bible examples and, and, and even in our most recent apostolic history. I was thinking about this, and somehow my mind went to Azusa Street. Anybody remember about the, know anything about the Azusa Street revival? Yeah, in the early 1900s, um, right in, in, in uh, Los Angeles, California. You know, there was a man who didn't know. He didn't know from man about the Holy Ghost. He had, there were no examples around him of people being holy, you know, Holy Ghost filled and that kind of thing. He'd been reading in his word about this spirit that God wanted to give his people, and, and him and some other men began to pray for it. You know, I see in your word, I don't see anybody else doing it. The Baptist church ain't doing it. The Methodist church ain't doing it. Whoever was around him, he didn't see any examples of it. But, he, but from the word of God, he saw. And he began to pray. He and these other men began to pray. And sure enough, God poured out his spirit. God answered that seeking. And he poured out his spirit. And he did an awesome thing flowed out from that. Right? People came from all over. They wanted to see what was happening. Right? You know, people, people of all different nationalities and backgrounds. And, and they were doing things back in the 1900s that you just couldn't do. Or you weren't supposed to do. Right? Certain races shouldn't have been, they shouldn't have been getting together. And different um, economic, uh, you know, structures, they shouldn't have been getting together. Like, you know, white folks shouldn't have been with black folks, and rich folks shouldn't have been with poor folks, and but all these things shouldn't have been, but under the unction of the Holy Ghost, they were. Right? And so I'm talking about, you know, we look back at that, and William Seymour and those, uh, those other men, and we look back at that experience, and we say, man, that was awesome. 
right? But they dared to get outside the box. They dared to believe what thus saith the Lord, even though there weren't anybody, uh, other examples around them who were doing what they saw in Scripture. They dared to do it anyway, and God blessed them. And we look back at that, and we go, man, that was awesome. I really, 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 and truly believe what's happening here in Newark is going to be one of them kind of things. Now, you might say, Sister Lil, you're delusional. Well, let me, let me stay in my delusion then. I believe right now, because when you're, when you're pioneering something, you, know, you, know, you, don't, you don't get it. Right? You, you, don't, you don't really get the magnitude of what you're doing when you're pioneering. You're just doing what you, you know, whatever you set out to do. In this case, we're doing what we believe God has set us to do. You don't really get it. It usually takes time for us to look back and go, oh, wow, look what they did. Right? I believe that, similarly, Newark is going to be looked at as that kind of thing. Man, those folks dared to do something so crazy. Like, they dared to do what thus saith the Lord, and look what God did. People are going to want to come and study us. How'd y'all do that? I believe it. Call me crazy. It's all right. I've settled into it. It's all right. Call me, call me crazy. I'm all right with that. I believe that if we continue to let God do the work that he started here, he, the, the work that he authored, the work that he's doing, if we, if we stay faithful, if we say, God, Yes, we want what you want. I don't care if anybody else is doing it, right? We want what you want. I believe that if we let God have his way, there's going to be an awesome thing done here that's going to blow our minds. And others are going to want to be a part of it, that we're going to be a model that others want to come and replicate. Don't you think about courageous people who started stuff. In their time, they didn't, you know, a lot of times they, they weren't appreciated, in the beginning until, until things begin to unfold. But you and I got to stay around until things unfold. You and I got to get in place. You and I got to continue to do what God wants us to do so, that, so things can unfold. God is going to bless. He's going to do a mighty work. I'm going to leave you with this last verse here from Philippians. This is Paul talking to the church of Philippi. And in that he says, For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until he is finally finished on the day that Christ returns. I believe that for Newark, that this good thing that God has started right here, that he's going to be faithful to finish it. If you and I hang in there, he's going to be faithful to finish it. He's going he's to complete this good work that he has started. I hope that you understand what a privilege it is to be a part of this. What a unique thing that's happening here. And I hope you don't look at it like you're the ugly stepchild. You know, as they say, and you're going to be odd in the other way. That it's a privilege. This thing that God is doing, that he's entrusted to us. That God is saying, I've put a lot in Newark. I've poured a lot into those people over the years. Right? Those are soldiers right there. I'm going to use them to do an awesome thing in this community. Stand with me, please.